0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. What's goody, Hot Breathiverse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, And we have done over 300 episodes all about the craft of comedy. Our mission here at Hot Breath is to help cultivate the next generation of great comics. And we do that with weekly Q&As, with interviews, with one-on-one episodes where I share my own personal experience of doing comedy over 10 years. But now, this episode is a very special peek behind the scenes of our Hot Breath Pro Community That is our membership community designed to give you a supportive environment and the educational tools you need to level up your comedy and achieve your comedy goals. So if that's something that you think would help you in 2021, go into the description of this episode and click Join Hot Breath Pro to get more info on how it can help your comedy this year. I'm happy to answer any questions you have as well, but you're about to hear me answer a lot of questions in this weekly q and I do in Hot Breath Pro, answering members' questions directly. So I'm excited to share this with you, and enjoy. Oh yay, so we got some questions coming in, so welcome all the Hot Breath Pros, welcome to our weekly Q&A. This is where we get to meet up every single week and answer your comedy questions directly and personally. The past few weeks, we've been doing our Pro Talk series during this time, where we've brought in... Comedy greats like Judy Carter, the author of the Comedy Bible, Greg Dean, well-respected comedy writer, the Joke Doctor, uh, Scott Dickers. Been bringing a lot of comedy authors the past few weeks to answer your questions and give you personal feedback on your jokes, but it's time to get back to the roots, you know? This whole Hot Breath Pro community is all designed to give you a supportive community and the educational tools to help you achieve your comedy goals. So whatever those are, that is what hot breath pro exists for. And I can tell you being in this comedy game, 11 years and getting access to the community, to the education and not really having to deal with the negative competitive side of comedy, not having to drive 12 hours for 50 bucks, not having to deal with that imposter syndrome That would have starting out in my career, that would have been worth like ten grand to me. Like it, it, and eight years, it cost me eight years of my eleven year career figuring out these things that we're doing here in Hot Breath Pro. So I'm so excited to get to connect with you here. And the first question we have from Martha: How fast do we need to get to a laugh? Asking about openers. Yeah, my my rule of thumb is really uh 15 seconds 15 to 20 seconds is usually my goal on an opener and how quickly you should get to a joke you know especially in like a tight five um a good average laugh per minute starting out is three laughs a minute so you could think a laugh every 20 seconds is a good pace is a good rhythm so i would challenge you all in those tight sets A laugh within 15 seconds is a, is a great goal to have. And the it does two things when you get a quick laugh. One, it gets the audience on your side. It gets them believing in you and like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a funny comic. And it also gets your confidence up because comedy is confidence. And a lot of it, if you're confident, then the audience will be confident in you. So when you get that laugh, It gives you the confidence of like, oh, I can do this. And then the audience is thinking, oh, they can do this. So it works both ways. But I would say a good uh, metric to chase would be 15 seconds is a good one. 15 to 20 seconds for an opener. Good question, Martha. Uh, Let's see here. Next question from Johnny Smith. One thing I find really difficult in my writing is the balance between word economy and when a joke needs more detail. How do you balance the two? Ooh. Good question, Johnny. So, in the balance of word economy, but when a joke needs more detail, a lot of the times word economy comes into play when there's a big gap between punchlines. So... Let's say you have a laugh at 15 seconds and then not another laugh until 50 seconds. You're going to need to use word economy to get those laughs closer together or to add punchlines between that 15-second mark and the 50-second mark. So when it comes to word economy versus adding details, if the detail makes the punchline funnier, it's always better to add that detail. And a lot of the times my friends, a detail can become a punchline. A detail can become a tag to a joke. So a lot of the times, and this is something we talked about in our tight five accelerator program last week, was adding points of view, adding details around like the context of where you are, what is happening, who else is there, like adding these different points of view, these details, can be the difference between a laugh and a lull. Um, A common thing in improv is just saying someone's name, giving someone a name in the situation, makes it more personal, and it becomes a punchline within itself. So when you're trying to balance between details versus word economy, as long as the detail adds to the humor or adds to the comedy in some way, paints the picture, then it's worth sacrificing word economy to achieve that but do ask yourself is this word necessary is this detail necessary and part of that process of word economy is writing too much and then cutting it back sometimes cutting back too much and having to add some back so you're finding a balance you're finding a sweet spot within the word economy but being aware of it is step number one really of just oh this is a bit wordy how can i cut jokes out Or how can I make this funnier with details? So I hope that helps, Johnny. Um, And if you have an example, feel free to share it, Johnny, of what you're curious about on a joke specifically. All right, coming up next. We have... Looks like... Sasha? All right, Sasha? Are there any techniques you use to try and get an audience's attention if they're talking or distracted? Any ways to command their attention without coming off as a jerk? Oh, great question here. Great question. So, when it comes to getting the attention of an audience, especially some that are talking or distracted now i'm assuming is this the entire audience or is this just a part of the audience because if it's just like a few people talking during your set but everyone else is engaged you know a good way to get people's attention and this can actually apply to if the whole audience is like kind of add watching the tvs that are on or playing darts or pool or whatever else happens at these crazy open mics stop talking will actually get people's attention, believe it or not. Because now all of a sudden there's not just this background noise, it all of a sudden stops. So they're going to be like, what? What's happening over there? Why are they quiet? There's a power in silence in comedy. And, and that takes time to develop and get comfortable in. But there is a power to science. To science. To silence. Silence? There's a science to silence. How about that? Ooh. So, if you're trying to get the attention of specific people in the audience without coming off as a jerk, you can honestly like address those people. And you do it in an authentic way, not in an aggressive way, not in a derogatory way. You can actually genuinely have like an authentic conversation with them or genuinely speak transparently. Hey, I'm Sasha. I'm, uh, I'm here to do comedy right now, but it doesn't seem like you're listening. Is everything okay? Ask me the question. Maybe I can help. And then, then you become part of their conversation in a fun and playful way. Now, I'm saying this knowing I have come off as a jerk several times. I have yelled at several audience members before for getting up and leaving. I would yell at audience. I would be at like a bar on like a Tuesday at 1130. These people don't even know comedy is supposed to be there. They would get up and go to the bathroom or go home because it's a weekday and they were sneaking away from their families to be out at this bar. And I would yell at them for leaving and be like, do you know who I am? Sit back down. Things like that. Um, you know, the, the crowd work that really gets them riled up, you know. So I can tell you, being a jerk does not at work. Huh. <laughs> fighting fire with fire does not work unless your character is more aggressive like a Lewis Black. Otherwise, it's always better to be authentic and just polite and be, hey, we're all, uh, we're here at this comedy show, but this table right here seems to be distracted or seems to have concerns or it seems y'all had a question. Can I answer a question for you? Or it could also be, um, you could honestly, something that works, that is surprising, you could literally shush, an audience. And a lot of the times they'll respond, not in an aggressive way, not in like being a jerk way of like, shh. But if there's like a table that's talking, you can like be doing your jokes and then just kind of go shh and then go right back into your material. I'm not going to say this works 100% of the time, but it has a surprising success rate. If you just kind of shh and then go back to your jokes a lot of the times, that will dampen out the fire, honestly. You may have to do it two or three times, and then after the third time, if they're still doing it, you could be like, oh, excuse me, oh, we're doing a comedy show here. A line I would use is like, uh, excuse me, um, you're, you're uh, talking during my dreams and making them a nightmare. Things like that. Just something playful, but like, hey, we're at a comedy show, uh, so stop talking, basically. And it will come with practice and you will get confidence the more you do it. But that is a great place to start. Addressing them conversationally, not aggressively at all. But hey, I see you're speaking. Would you like to ask me the question? Something like that. How can I help you? You know, We're at a comedy show here. How can I help you? Um, another one is you can shush them, You know, give them a little shh and move on. Or at the end of the day, just be like, Hey, uh, you're ruining the show in a very polite way, though. And make think about when you're addressing people disturbing the show. The audience is on your side as long as you're not like yelling and aggressive or whatnot. Um, as long as you're just like fun and playful about it, the audience will be like, "Yeah, they are ruining the show," and things like that. And that's how it can become to handling hecklers as well as just knowing the audience is on your side, so you can get away with a little bit more. Because everyone wants to, you know, everyone wants to enjoy the show and the disturbances need to be um ironed out. <clears throat> like Bobby said, I sometimes yell, is this something you can share with the rest of the class? Hilarious. Oh, and Sasha went, I'll practice shushing my wife. Thanks, Joel. Well, don't don't say that, Sasha. No, I did not say that, my friend. No, no, no. I would never do that. My wife never comes to my shows. <laughs> No, don't. I did not say that. Do not. I do not put my stamp of approval on that. Hmm. Oh, John Chapel in the building. He said I saw Miss Pat last week, and she said, "Hey, M. Effer, shut the f up over there. I'm trying to do my set. My husband thinks I'm at Walmart. That's hilarious, and that fits Mrs. Pat's. Uh, set that fits her style, that fits her flavor. If I yell that, they're gonna be like, "Who's this angry white guy?" But that fits Miss Pat's persona completely. So yeah. Next question. Uh, Ben, are there any v- are there variations to the power of threes? What do you think? Why do you think three works so well? Well, the reason Power of Threes works so well is because it's the perfect rhythm to set up an expectation for a misdirect. So that's, that's comedy hinging on surprise, you know, a one-liner, a setup punch. You're building an assumption and then breaking it. So at the core of a Power of Threes, you're setting up two normals to then have a third absurd. So that's really why Power of Threes works so well. It's just because it's a good rhythm of like A, B, three. It's like a misdirect. That's why Power of Threes works so well. But people also will use Power of Threes for an example of like having three examples of something or a list of three jokes or doing a bit about a topic and having three punchlines. There's a few different ways you can use Power of Threes that's not even just like list form. When we talk about details... Sometimes a good power of threes is just using three details as tags to your joke. But at the core of it, why do you think three works so well? It's because you're able to build up an assumption that then you can then misdirect with that third absurd, as we say. Man, we got some good questions coming in here, pros. I'm loving it. Keep them coming. uh Michelle working on a joke it has two parts so when you do an act out should you do both tags or just one um working on a joke it has two parts so when you do an act out should you do both tags or just one i'm confused on This question, Michelle, has two parts, so when you do an act out, should you do both tags or just one? I'm not sure. I'd almost need to know what joke you're talking about, or, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe a little more context on that one, Michelle. I'm not quite sure. Uh, what's goody with that one? Ah, okay. Do... uh, Do I do an act-out of both therapist and mechanic, or don't do either, or just one of them? Uh, And the joke is, I'm really glad I made it here tonight. My car keeps breaking down. I think it is depressed. Who do I take my car to? My therapist? He'll want to discuss the one time we got cornered in the parking lot by some monster trucks, or his horn envy... I'll take him to my mechanic. He'll kick the tires, act out. Psh, psh. They're kind of swollen. You should cut back on all the rocky road. Ah, okay. Nice. So, yeah, I think it is, um, my car keeps breaking down. I think it's depressed. But I don't know who to take it to. It could be my therapist would diagnose it as blank. Um, my therapist would diagnose it as depressed. While my mechanic would say it's just low on gas or it just needs an oil change or the fluids need to be flushed or um, your therapist would prescribe Zoloft while my mechanic would prescribe uh, a car equivalent of Zoloft. I think where the joke comes in there, Michelle, is like, what would the therapist solution be to it? And then what is the mechanics version of that? Like it's a bit, it's a bit wordy right now with my therapist. He'll want to discuss the one time we got cornered in a parking lot by some monster trucks or his horn envy. And it could be um uh my therapist would blame it on my mommy issues, and then my mechanic would tell me to return my mommy's car or something like so. You just see there to be a connection between the two that they're both diagnosing depression in their own unique fields of expertise. But I like the idea of acting out both, Michelle, though. Yeah, you could do it in your therapist voice, and then uh, maybe you're laying on the couch for your therapist, and then with your mechanic, maybe you're laying in the back seat, and you're doing like a funny mechanic voice or something like that. Hope that helps. Oh, and Johnny followed up uh, with his joke about word economy. Like in my contest submission in February, the joke was my sister bought me a bright shirt to make me feel more confident. So now even my clothes are louder than me. You said to say instead of my sister bought me a. Say instead, my sister bought me a bright pink neon shirt, which is longer. But because it's more specific and paints a picture for the audience, it makes the joke stronger despite being longer. I tend to be obsessed with making jokes as short as possible and find it difficult to figure out when details add to a joke or just make it clunky. Ah, yes. Yeah. Great example. I do remember this joke, Johnny. And, um, it was, it's feedback, like how we find that balance that we were talking about earlier of finding when, when do I need to take away some, when do I need to, when did I take away too much and need to add some back that, process comes with performing. That process comes with actually performing the joke, getting audience feedback, and then saying, hmm, how can I make that stronger? Maybe it's editing a few words. Maybe it's adding a few details. And then you go perform it, see how that response gets, and then you kind of piece the joke together that way. So it's a it's a piece-by-piece, performance-by-performance case the joke writing process is basically you writing, performing, reviewing, refining. I mean, that's really joke writing. And so my feedback was painting that picture being a little more specific, um, may help the punchline hit harder because people can actually see the shirt a little bit more. Um, and like it being a louder color, like a, a neon pink shirt versus a bright shirt may, in the audience's mind, they may be able to easier, more easily visualize a bright shirt or a loud shirt. So then you can say, oh, now my clothes are louder than me. So it was a suggestion. Um, but that that was the reasoning behind it, that painting the picture a little bit more, a little more detail will help the audience to actually see the joke and connect with it a little bit more than just bright which is a little more of a generic term. But that being said, the final verdict of whether or not the details are necessary is when you perform it and get that feedback. And that's performing it live or that's performing it on Zoom shows or in feedback mics, but it's you you got to you got to put the joke in front of people somewhere to get that feedback to know exactly what to edit and what to add and what to keep and what to delete. But yeah, that's a good example of that, yeah. Mm, next question. Here we go. Oh, what's up, Chris Groulon? We missed you as well, Chris and I are on um a showcase tonight for Chocolate Sundays for uh, the Laugh Factory. It's very exciting to be doing shows with pros. Nice. Oh, I'm glad that helped, Johnny. Good, good. All right, John Chapel coming in here. um, let's see John's question. And feel free to post your questions here, pros. I'm happy to answer them. What you got? Um, I have 10 minute. I have a 10-minute open mic tonight and a 15-minute set tomorrow on a booked show. Do I do my set for tomorrow or work on new stuff? I assume I need to work my set. Yeah, it's personal preference. John, um, you know, at the end of the day, what are you going to have the most fun performing? If you're saying, I assume I need to work my set, then it sounds like you know the answer. It sounds like you're just wanting confirmation from me that that's what you should do. If you say, I assume I need to work my set, then yes. Go work your set, John. Do the reps. Um, You know, a book show versus an open mic. You know, open mics are more for, you know, doing jokes, you know, work, but also wedging in and, Weaving in newer jokes as well to work on. But I think for John said, I always follow the master's advice. Well, I'm no master, okay? I am just a mere comedian. I've just been in the game longer. I've been doing this 11 years, you know, done over 300 interviews with professional comedians. So I just draw from my own personal experience of what I learned from others. But I am by no means a master. I think that is why. Don Rickles said, "Comedians don't retire, they die. We're always in pursuit of getting better. We're always honing the craft. We're always looking for ways to get better. So I would say for you, John, if you have a 15-minute set tomorrow on a booked show, you're wanting to make that set as good as possible. So use your 10 minutes tonight to hone in that 15-minute set. The things that you need some repetition in in that 15-minute set do that in your 10-minute set. And then the greatest hits of that 15, the ones you know that are home runs, you can leave those out and then just uh, do the 10 that you're wanting to like, get a little more confident in. Because the more you say a joke on stage, the more confident you're going to get in it. So whatever jokes need the most work, do those tonight. Ah. Yeah, and Erica said it's like chasing a laughing dragon. Yeah, we're always we're always chasing it. Always looking to get better. It's like a never ending Rubik's Cube. <sighs> oh, John was playing to run the light by five minutes. Oh yeah, that's a good way to never get booked again. Yeah, good point there, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Ben agrees saying he to have that extra polish in your delivery is worth the extra reps. Yep. I enjoy seeing comedians whose work in the notebook and on stage is evident, not fishing for words, but confident, relaxed, and delivery. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth the reps. It really shows in your delivery and your overall performance for shizzle. Yeah, that's interesting. Bobby said, too, your open mics are the gym, your paid gigs are the ring. Go be a heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely use the open mics to get the reps in on the newer stuff. But if there is, yeah, if you have a showcase you're working towards, I'll still do this. If, I'm, if I have a show like the next day or something that it's like a paid gig, I'm not going to just you know, go to an open mic and just kind of randomly do things again. I'll be, go there with the agenda of refining what I'm doing the next day at the book show. Uh, Dino, when do you feel it's a good idea to start sending out tapes of open mics to try to get booked? I think whenever, I mean, I think whenever you're ready, I mean, I think Whenever you're comfortable, I mean, you want to have a tight five, you know, and that's why the tight five accelerator program is designed to get you a tight five minute set because that's like the gold standard when it comes to getting booked is a booker will want to see your five minute set. When you go on Conan or late night, you are performing a tight five minute set. So like when you have a nice tight five and now tight five means you may have. 10, 15 minutes of material and jokes you could perform, but a tight five is like boom, 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 boom. Laugh, 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 laugh. So I feel like when you have a good tape of that, by all means, let her rip, you know? Because so a, a question people have a lot of the time is... um, a question I have a lot of the time is where people are like, oh, well, when I send a book or a tape of my set should I then no longer do that set? And it's like, no, that's the set you should do. It, the, the booker booked you to do that set. The booker booked you because they like that set and they want to hear you do that set. When you're booked on a show, you are being booked to provide a service. You are being booked to provide laughter. That's, that's the service that you're providing. Your service on a book show is not to go up there and be an artist and experiment and rub the walls and hump the stool. Your job as a comedian is to make the audience laugh, so you do that job. So don't um, worry that if you send a tape to a booker and then you're like, well, i got to do something different. No, you should do the material you said. That's what they're hiring you to do. So when you have that type 5, Dino, and you're comfortable with it, I say go for it. You know, go for it. Whether it's bookers, festivals, whatever, you know, go ahead and start sending it out. Oh, that's awesome. And Dino said I got to hang out with Eleanor Kerrigan while wearing my Hot Breath hoodie. Did you tell her about Hot Breath, Dino? I'm wondering, was that you? Someone was really wanting to get Eleanor on the podcast, and I can't remember who it was. Because it was a while ago when they reached out about helping get her on there. Oh, you did? What would you say, Dino? What would you say, Shouty? (laughs) No. Oh, you did. But did you tell her about Hot Breath? So that was you, Dino. That's so cool. Thanks for posting that photo, too. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, when it comes to practicing. Yeah, Martha said that's what she did last night, too, of practicing the set twice. Very nice. She said yes, but of eventually. But she is a busy comic. Great! I have no doubt. We've planted the seed. You know, just like Bert, You know, we got Bert to confirm. I have no doubt we're gonna get Bert on the podcast. You know, um, he's now in Serbia filming a movie based on his machine joke. But um, I have no doubt we'll get him on here. I know uh, Dan Cook has been in orbit of the Hot Breathiverse as well. And there's several others, but I have no doubts. And... What I've learned, though, and this is some fun insight to you, Hot Breath Pros, that um, the big names are great, but the episodes with the most listens aren't the Jeff Foxworthys or the Cedric the Entertainers or the Bo Burnhams. Like The ones with the most uh, listens are more like the ones that go deep on the topic of comedy, whether it is uh, like a, a joke doctor episode or the coaching session that I did with Micah has a lot of listens as well. Like the ones that really go deep on comedy and nerd out. And we do nerd out with like Jeff Foxworthy and such, but there's just something, I mean, that's, it was surprising to me that like the big names aren't, they don't really move the needle as much as you would think. And that's something people ask me all the time. How do you book all these big name guests? And I, I I would like to just be like, that's that's not the name of the game. At, at, like There's so many podcasts now. A guest, a famous guest isn't going to make or break your show. It's got to be something different. There's got to be a heart and soul at the core of your podcast. That's what brings people back. That's what makes people listen and share. It's not the names. So that's just a fun insight for you there, Hot Breath Pros. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, Eleanor will be a great guest for sure. Oh, and Sasha Serbian. That's great. Now, we'll wait, because I, I, I have a feeling we'll end up interviewing Bert in person. I don't think we'll be doing that one over Zoom. So it'll be cool. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be on his show before he'll even come on mine. Maybe that's just how the world will work. I don't know. It'll be fun either way, though. All right. Let's go back to your questions here. Uh, Jody are you and Yoshi still doing set reviews? Yes. We haven't done it in a little while, though. Um, yeah, we will, though. I know we did, we've we done the Jolshi show and posted some on here. Um, and um, we just haven't yet. Uh, we haven't gotten back into it yet. Because we started this Type 5 Accelerator, which, you know, we're meeting twice a week with members of that program and giving feedback on their sets. And that designing that and really getting that scheduled and put together was something we really wanted to do because we know helping comics quickly develop a tight five-minute set ready for bookers will help us get closer to that goal of cultivating the next generation of great comics. So we knew that was a big priority. But we do want to get back to the set reviews, and we haven't forgotten about doing them for sure but uh, this was just an exciting idea that we had that we wanted to just get out there and get going, which y'all know um, the Accelerator program kind of appeared out of nowhere. Like on a Tuesday, I announced it, and then that Thursday we started. So it, uh, I knew it it happened really quickly, but it was just such an exciting idea and just something we knew people would be excited and interested in, so we just we wanted to get it going. You know, a lot of the times we can get a little bogged down in overthinking things. And sometimes you just got to like execute and learn as you go, you know? So, um, this one, we had a really clear vision for how we wanted to do the accelerator because, you know, I'd been teaching comedy several years and I'd been doing versions of the accelerator. So we kind of had the ideas in place on how we could actually make it work and help people develop material quickly. But we just had to kind of put it together. Had to piece all the pieces together and then get it out there. And it's been incredible. I'm telling you, we're two weeks into this first one. I've almost cried like, <laughs> I, don't, I know uh, Martha's in it and she could she could wrap um, me out. But I have almost cried like twice during the accelerator already just seeing the growth people are making. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's really working. So, I'm so excited for y'all to see the before and after sets of those. And uh, we will be doing another one in May. This will be a monthly recurring program to help y'all develop a five minute set. Nice. Oh, thank you, Martha said. You're such a (laughs) softy. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love it. Oh, Martha saying I'm a softie, and then Bobby saying I'm buying you that bra. I mean, I just care, y'all. That's all. I'm just, there ain't nothing wrong with crying. Ben, well, we'll know names and can be nice, but you can tell a polite conversation versus one that is going to dig deeper. Definitely enjoy checking out clips from the YouTube channel lately. Thank you. Yeah, if you guys haven't subscribed to the YouTube, we are putting daily comedy tips out on that. We've been posting daily comedy tips there just to help you to give you a nice quick, a nice quick, uh, quick comedy tip to kick off your day. And uh, yesterday we actually created. We released a video I'm super excited about that may become a new series called Anatomy of a Joke where we really, um, this one was with Andrew Schultz. He's talking about a joke that he wrote and then he was like breaking it down in the podcast when we were interviewing him. So then I, um, I cut together a YouTube video where he's describing the joke and then I'm playing the clip from that joke of what he just described. Now, I'm thinking that could be a new format to start digging into, so I would love your feedback on that, of if that's kind of a style of YouTube content you'd like to see more of, beyond just like an interview, but actually like, here's him talking about it, here's the example of that in real life, and kind of dive a little bit deeper. Oh, and Jody has a video you want to send out, see if it's good enough to send to Booker's. Yeah, we'll definitely... We'll definitely do that, buddy. Thank you for asking. I know several people have asked about the set reviews, and we love doing them, but we just got a little, you know, there's so many cool things happening, but we can only do so many at once. Um, John Chapel, not a question, more of a statement. My crowd work is getting way better because of my hosting. So go host people. Oh, my man. Congrats, John, because I mean your crowd work could really only go up from where it was. Am I right? <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> but yeah, that's the number one piece of advice. If you're wanting to develop Uh, like your stage presence and persona and just get more confidence on stage hosting is the number one best way to do that without a doubt the number one best way to do that so if you uh if you aren't hosting a show i would highly recommend it it's a great way to get paid to get better at comedy so definitely check yeah definitely host your own show I plan to do that as well. I'm about to get my second vaccination. I'm definitely planning to um, start hosting my own show again just because it's such a good way to develop quickly, which is something I need to do because I've been so out of the stage game. I mean, there's been a pandemic, so it's not like I'm I'm like, (laughs) like, oh, man, I've really been lazy. It's like, oh, there's been a, a pandemic, a rampant pandemic. Well, Chris Groulon said so we have a ton of Hot Breath Pros in the Chocolate Sundays contest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Laugh Factory, Chocolate Sundays is one of like the most legendary shows that ha- that's been happening in LA for years. And uh, yeah, they're doing that virtual contest where the winner gets $2,021. So that'll be exciting to see which Hot Breath Pro wins that. Uh, Sullivan asked, how do you personally find comedy in death? Um, and then was there a follow-up question? Oh, no. Jody was talking about it's difficult. My mom passed away two years ago. I finally wrote one about her a couple months ago. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, uh, yeah, I love you sharing that, Jody. I really appreciate you being so honest about that experience. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of just finding the bright side of it, you know, like when, um, I mean, it, it, honestly, an example, um, is when my aunt died, um, she, had, she was like on life support in the hospital. We were, we were legitimately there like all day that was really um a moment in my life where I was like oh this doesn't always end pretty this isn't always a movie ending like I think my aunt was in her 50s she didn't take care of herself and um yeah and then she she ended up like dying I mean she just really didn't take care of herself um and uh but she didn't have in her will all right Long story short, she was, we ended up sitting in this hospital room basically all day waiting for them, the hospital to like legally say they can take her off life support. And, um, they took her off life support and it took like for her to officially like die. It took a long time. And one of my aunts said, well, she always was the most stubborn one. So, I mean, that's a, that was a funny way. And I remember at her funeral, um, we were eating a lot of unhealthy food and I, I had a joke about, uh, the funeral and how we were eating the food that killed her and her honor or things like that. So you could find humor that way, it's just finding a positive spin on it. You know, um, I haven't done honestly that much material about death in general though, but I can say like Martha said, Martha's a widow and she goes there, um, yeah, so Martha would be great to talk to. Bobby, another one. Yeah, some of her best jokes came from the death of uh, her sweet boy, Jake. And, um, yeah. So they, honestly, because they have more personal experience with it, um, I think that uh, they would be great to talk about and ask about that with. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, Sullivan. Um, I, would, I would ask, yeah. I would ask like Bobby or Martha or Jody, someone who's who's done it more, because um, I don't I want to tell you something. I can only really only give advice on what I have personal experience in. Otherwise, I don't want to like mislead you or lead you astray. So, uh, yeah. But I'm sorry to hear that. anything we can do here at the Hot Breathiverse to help, you know, we're here for you. Oh, and that's interesting. Johnny said Daniel slossed an entire special about his sister dying. It's on Netflix. Wow, I did not know that. That's wild. Oh, man. Um, the next question. Sandy, are you going to have a graduation showcase at the end of the accelerator program each month? Yes, well I hadn't told yes. Long story short, yes. Um but yeah, I mean the whole goal with that accelerator program is for you to have a bookable set that um is ready for bookers. So it's like for you to leave that accelerator program with a set that'll help you get booked. So um yes, the the plan is to actually have a showcase for bookers to check out. Um So, yeah, that's all. But I don't want to give away too much. But, yeah, that's definitely part of the plan with that, for sure. Oh, and a lot of people giving advice on that topic. Yeah, wow. Wow, I love that. I love seeing the Hot verse rallying and coming together, supporting each other. That's what it's all about. Well, all right, Bobby. Safe travels out there. Anything we can do to help, we're here for you. All right. We got a few more minutes here. What other questions can we help answer here? Angels on y'all, Bobby. Angels on y'all. Oh, this is an interesting one. Yeah, I see in the the pro group as well that Aaron Sampson asks, is it important to start a set with a quick call and response question to the audience? Like, how's everyone doing tonight? Or I have kids. Anyone have kids? Or let's give it up for our host. Um, he's like, sometimes it feels like wasted time. Um... Yeah, when it comes to that, it's a personal preference, honestly. I think starting out as a comic, it's a good way to kind of get the waves moving before you start. You know, you get the audience clapping or you get them engaging with you. It can be a good way to do that, but you're asking, is it important? It's not important. It doesn't really, um, like... It's not like a hard and fast rule. A lot of times, some comics find it annoying, even. But who cares what other comics think? You know, what matters is the audience. It doesn't matter what the back of the room thinks about your material or not. It took me about eight years in the game to realize that, kiddos. So take that and apply it ASAP. But um, I don't. I don't. It's not. It's not important. It's a way to engage the audience. If you want to do it, you can do it. But um, it's not, like, necessary. You, you can honestly, there's some comics who literally go on stage and just jump into their first joke. And that's it. So, it's a personal preference there. It's more of a stylistic choice there, Aaron. But uh, it is a good question for, sh- for Shizzle. Oh, this is another interesting question from Justin Williams, who's a Canadian comic asking about where he should move because um, he wants more opportunity in the entertainment world than just what's in Canada um well, I would say before you make a big move like that, one why, why would you move, and what do you hope to get out of the move you know what is what is your goal what is your reason for moving you know' cause I see you're talking about. Texas comedy scene, Uh, California appears to be plummeting. Uh, New York, of course, is known. It just depends on what you want to do. Atlanta has a great comedy scene as well. So it just kind of depends on what you're wanting to achieve and what you're wanting to get out of it. Because if you really take inventory and look, where you are may be sufficient, you know. And the grass is always greener. I can say that. The grass seems to always be greener on the other side. So if you're thinking about moving, just ask yourself, why? What do you hope to get out of the move? How will this help you get closer to your comedy goals? And then you can start to work backwards from there. Okay, does where I live now, will it help me get there quicker? Or if I want to get this certain goal, what city can I move to to help me get there um, faster? It's... um. It's a, it's a personal choice. You know, Hewlin said, I heard you shouldn't move unless you have something waiting or at least have half hour of material. Yeah. It's, um, it's honestly personal preference. I mean, I've had friends who have never moved and they have a career as a comedian. They're not famous, but they make six figures doing comedy from right here in Atlanta. Um, I've had friends who moved to New York and L.A., lived on couches for years, and then ended up on Jimmy Fallon. I've had friends who moved to L.A. with tenements of material and ended up on Conan in, like, you know, five months. There's no one way in this game. It's all personal preference. It's all what you want to achieve, and then it's just you making the best decisions to get there. That's why, like, Hopeth Pro is just designed to give you all the educational tools you need to develop as a comedian, and the support of community to help you do that productively with all the negativity and competition. But that's why there is no like join hot breath pro because you will then become uh, you'll get a set on Conan or you'll end up at JFL. It's more join Hot Breath pro to achieve your comedy goals. You know, that's that's really what it is. What are your own personal goals? And this community is designed to help you achieve them a lot more quickly and without all the the depression that I w- <laughs> that I had to go through in my 11-year career. So, it's a, it's a personal it's a personal preference, you know. If you want to move, move, just know why you want to move. But there is no right way in this game. There's only your way at the end of the day. No two comics have made it the same way. John asked, why are we not supposed to wear shorts on stage? I mean, at at the end of the day, and this is another, this is a great, this is a great example here of there's no right way. There's only your way. Listen, there's a rule in comedy. Don't wear shorts on stage. One of the most successful comics in the world wears shorts on stage. Gabriel Iglesias wears shorts on stage. So take that with context, all right? A common rule is don't wear shorts on stage, but Fluffy does it, and he's a millionaire doing it. So that being said, long story short, why aren't you supposed to wear shorts on stage? It's distracting. It's distracting. People are looking at your legs. Instead of looking at you and your great facial expressions and your hu- hilarious act-outs. They're looking at your legs. It's distracting. So that's bi- that's at the core of it, why you shouldn't wear uh, shorts on stage. It's just distracting. Mm, those are long shorts, though, or short pants. Yeah, he's wearing shants. He's also shorter, fluffy is, so it does, Um, you know, they do fit a little differently than um, some nice mankini shorts. So there's no, yeah, there's no, like, right or wrong. It's it's your way. It's your preference. But legs can be distracting on stage. You know, that's that's all. That's all it is. That is a good question. But go for it, John, if you want. Yeah, I'll never forget the on... The the last time I wore shorts on stage was on an open mic and I bombed and then the host goes back up and he's like, I think your jokes were funny, but I couldn't stop staring at your legs. And then everyone laughed and I was like, oh, I guess I'm done wearing this now. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, wear bike shorts, John. That's a good, <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I love it. That was a good Q and a. That was a good Q and asked a lot of good questions. I know the past few weeks we've had you know we had the joke doctor in, in pro last week and Scott Dickers and such. but um, it was good to get back to these one on one Q and A's and answering your questions directly as well. I love doing these and it's cool. As live shows come back, this group is going to become that much more helpful to each other because we're going to be out there performing. We're going to be able to be posting our sets and get feedback on our sets and share our experiences and, oh, I'm approaching this venue. How do you negotiate money? Things like that. Like As comedy opens back up and we start to get back out there, it... um. This group's just going to become even more of like a working comedy community. We're going to be learning by doing a lot here, which is great. There you have it, Hot Brethren and Sistren. We do these live Q&As every single Wednesday in Hot Breath Pro to help you level up your comedy. And if you want to make 2021 your year to really take your comedy to the next level, go... and not have to worry about the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome and that's why it exists just to help you get good at comedy in a positive environment so if that sounds something that would be helpful to you click the link in the description of this episode to join hop breath pro and we'll see you there my friends And we will see you right back here on the podcast next Monday, only on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.